Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news roundup that questions everything, mostly from relatively sensible, outside the mainstream perspectives. I'm Kevin Barrett, and with me is Kat McGuire, broadcasting live from smoke-covered Utah, where the California's burning and the smoke is over Utah. Hey, uh, it's, it's the apocalypse, it looks like, Kat. Well, it sure smells like it. Everything is all smoky. There were actually ashes coming down. So it's normally blue, 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 beautiful skies. And now it's we're in the middle of California smoke. Smells like the apocalypse. Okay, well, let's uh, whip through our, our opening slides and disclaimers and things like that. If we have any, I'm, I'm what am I seeing? I'm, oh, there we go. Okay, question everything. If you can't handle questions, don't watch our show. Next. <laughs> Um, disturbing material. If you don't want to be disturbed, don't watch our show. Next. Uh, we're not doctors. Well, I am actually a doctor of, uh, what the heck am I a doctor of? <laughs> a doctor of African languages and literature, Arabic and Islamic studies being my specialty. So don't take health advice from me and Kat. Uh, she's not a doctor either. So, okay. Next. <laughs> um, where are we here? Okay. Here's our, our big slide for today. Um, Alan Dershowitz would be very, very sad. If you help False Flag Weekly News make our fundraiser goal, we're a few bucks behind still. And Alan says he, that Dershowitz, of course, not our producer, but Alan Dershowitz says he would be so heartbroken by the success of False Flag Weekly News that he would just leave his underwear on and never bother to change it again. <laughs> so if the thought of Alan Dershowitz in month-old underwear is as repugnant to you as it is to me, if you see what I see, and if you feel what I feel, please... Do not support False Flag Weekly. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That that pitch went wrong somewhere. Anyway, Kat, uh, there's Dershowitz. Uh, let, let's move on to our, our news stories here. Uh, or, oh, yeah, one more PSA. Support the 9-11 families who are protesting the 9-11 cover-up. The good news is the family members are protesting the 9-11 cover-up. The bad news is they're blaming the Saudis. The good news, sort of good news, is that the Blame the Saudis limited hangout might still make the cover-up unravel. So, Kat, what do you think of those family members? Well, I'm glad they're bringing this forward, but, yeah, I agree with you. If it unravels, we're going to find out who uh, Saudi Arabia is junior partners to and who really did the whole 9-11 project. Exactly. So that's one reason why blaming the Saudis isn't quite as insane as it seems on the surface. All right, let's get to our, our verboten taboo stories that are too hot for YouTube. If you're watching this, you're not watching it on YouTube because we might actually question certain aspects of what the mainstream media thinks is mainstream medical wisdom. So here we go. Uh, New York, Kat, you're home. You fled New York, uh, for the apocalypse of Utah buried under California smoke or what used to be California. And now it's just smoke. And uh, if you were in New York right now, it looks like you wouldn't be able to go to the pizza parlor to get that really good cheap pizza they have in New York unless you had a little Vax card. So uh, I guess it's, hey, New York, New York, if I get locked out there, I'm locked out everywhere. <laughs> I'm making a brand new start of apartheid in New York. Hey, aren't you glad you're not in New York? Well, I'm going back home on Tuesday, and it's um, New Yorkers are charged up. Over 300,000 municipal workers are affected, and all students. And now it's not; it doesn't have to necessarily be restaurants, but they're getting going along with the program. Um, it's barely getting coverage, but there are a lot of people doing a lot of organizing. There's been regular protesting against uh, Gracie Mansion, the mayor's home. There's going to be strikes um, Monday at City Hall. 
and healthcare workers are protesting at various hospitals. Um, I, I'm very involved, even from here, helping strategize and organize. And we had a big protest um, August 3rd at Radio City Music Hall, where Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga gave a performance for vaccinated people only. We're trying to get in touch with union leaders, but they're so beholden to the Democratic Party that they're not returning our calls. But we've got um, inroads with a lot of grassroots unions. So uh, when I come back, I'm, I'm ready to just go right in. We're going to be having freedom brigades fanning out into the boroughs to get all the unvaccinated aware that they don't have to go along with this mandate. Well, I, I'm in awe of your persistence and your courage in standing up to this tyranny, cat. But I'm just going to throw in the towel because if I can't see Lady Gaga without a vaccination, I'm just going to go ahead and get that. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, moving on to the next uh, torment, the anti-vaxxer story. And there's a flood of them these days. Uh, Julia Kayem, who is an Obama Homeland Security apparatchik and still teaches Homeland Security in the Homeland Security program at, was it Harvard or something? I can't believe they give degrees in that garbage. Anyway, uh, here she is saying, you know, get the vax or you're not going to be allowed to fly. So it's officially unvaxxed or the new terrorists. And according to the DHS now, unvaccinated people like Muslims have an unusual genetic trait that allows them to turn an ordinary mixture of shaving cream, hydrogen peroxide, talcum powder, toothpaste, and hemorrhoid cream into a lethal shoe bomb or underwear bomb that blow up the next commercial flight that you take. So when you fly, be sure to uh, get angry at unvaccinated people as well as Muslims when the TSA asks you to remove your shoes and your underwear. Oh, man, Kat, when is this going to end well, this propaganda and bullying is of the worst sort. It forces people to make a Sophie's choice about their travel. The real story that's not being said is that pilots are unexpectedly dying. A lot of them are vaxxed pilots. Um, and if, I hope they're not dying while they're flying. Well, that's dying while a flying very, is very dangerous. That's a scary concern. Now, Airline pilots are some of the healthiest workers in the world because they receive regular extensive health exams and they're grounded the minute any physical condition is flagged. And so if they get a vaccine, they're grounded for 48 hours. Yet four British air pilots in their mid-30s to 50s, presumably healthful, died. Um, three Delta pilots died after getting vaccinated. Five JetBlue uh, pilots suspiciously died, and the airlines are being extremely tight-lipped about it. Um, it, it British Air claimed that it was completely in coincidental that four healthy pilots died within days of each other after taking the vaccines. And Aviation News questioned whether the deaths were due to blood clots, because actually airlines have been saying that they might not let vaccinated passengers fly because high elevation exacerbates um, them being prone to blood clots. So bottom line, every time we fly, you have no idea if the pilot has been vaxxed or not and can suffer injury or death right at the cockpit. Boy, uh, life is getting just too complicated for me these days. All I know is I'm getting sick of these beat up on the anti-vaxxer stories uh, because the whole you know, the evidence on the vax seat. Well, we'll talk about that later. Well, let's move on to our next story here. Uh, you're going to be asked to prove your master race status under vax apartheid. Here's how to do it. The Washington Post is very helpful in t teaching you that all you have to do is go to Ancestry.com and feed your DNA and get this little card that shows that your ancestors are 100% Nordic Aryan blue-eyed master race types with perfect little Hitler mustaches. Woohoo! I'm master race. I can get on planes. I can go to restaurants. I can go through Israeli checkpoints. I'm a first-class citizen. And to hell with those second-class untermenschen. 
that's nice of the Washington Post to help us uh, take advantage of our master race privileges, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's really, um, they are practicing medical apartheid, but I'm concerned that the um, health freedom movement is focusing on this segregation analysis that stop the segregation like it's a moral imperative, like segregation under civil rights days um, with uh, people of color. But I, I don't go along with the segregation analysis because if these people really believe that I'm typhoid Mary and I'm going to give something to them, Oh, if I believe that, I would want people to be segregated as well, quarantined, because um, that's really what the segregation analysis is, is um, a quarantining. But I think people, the moral imperative goes out the window once people um, are fearful truly for their lives, which is a concocted fear. But the segregation analysis and the medical apartheid doesn't really bring out their um, inner moral uh, concerns, I believe. Okay. Well, I, I guess maybe I should withdraw that analogy. No, nah, not really. We'll just agree to disagree. So how about the, uh, the next story, uh, which asks the question, why are globalists and governments so desperate for 100% vaccination rates? Well, the innocent explanation is, of course, that they might think a quick move to 100% vaccination rate would at least temporarily fix the pandemic. Uh, maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. And we'll talk about that in the next slide. But um, anyway, would you agree, Kat, that they aren't necessarily conspiring with globalists to cull billions of people with the kill shot? Are they? Uh, no, I, I think Not that necessarily. they... I, I, I believe they're trying to do a kill shot. I think they're um, setting, the author claims that they're setting the stage for a mass infertility event because there's increasing evidence that the vaccines can cause women to be sterile. But one of his main premises that I find interesting is that because of about a third of Americans are not vaccinated, what they serve as is a kind of vast control group. So they want 100% vaccinated because uh, once things start happening, uh, deaths and injuries, um, here's this uh, glaring control group of healthy people that they don't want to be compared to all the people who are going to be getting ill from these vaccines. I, I think we haven't even begun to see the results of uh, deaths and injuries. And of course, they're covering all that up. But that's another story. But another reason I think they're pushing for 100% vaccinations is because these vaccines are very expensive and they have expiration dates. And the government doesn't want to have to throw them out and buy new ones. And disposing of vaccines is expensive as well. You can't just throw them in a trash can. But the vaccine makers are indifferent. They don't care if large quantities get unused because it's all just uh, profits for them anyway. So unvaccinated people are actually paying for the vaccines for the vaccinated people. You would think they would be a little more grateful, but they're not. Anyway, well, let's move on to what could be the most contentious uh, story of the week. And this is the debate between Ron Unz and Mike Whitney. Uh, and this is really good stuff. I urge everybody to read it. You know, if if the mainstream had this kind of honest debate uh, featuring people who actually tell the truth about controversial issues and are not part of the propaganda bubble, it would restore a lot of credibility to their public health warnings and such. Uh, and in this debate, of course, Ron Unz argues that um, COVID is every bit as dangerous as the mainstream says it is, that it is an emergency and to some extent justifies emergency measures. And uh, Mike Whitney, uh, of course, strongly disagrees. His position is obviously closer to yours, Kat. Uh, and I think it, Ron Unz is more credible in admitting uh, some of these points that the mainstream never does. 
such as Ron admits that the vaccines don't seem very effective in preventing vaccinated people from infecting others. So there doesn't seem to be much reason for the government to forcibly require vaccinations. You know, if the mainstream admitted that, it would be a lot easier to uh, accept their, you know, their, their credibility enough to take seriously a lot of the other things that they're saying. And as Ron points out, you know, they've been crying wolf uh, about so many things and lying about so many things that nobody believes them, even if they are telling the truth. What do you think, Kat? Uh, am I crazy to think that Ron Unz's take on these medical issues may not be wrong? I was uh, very disappointed with this article. I found it so full of misinformation. I couldn't even finish it. I got halfway through and it's like, I'm done. All the faulty facts and premises that he didn't even touch, Ron Unz. Um, there was no mention of the whole charade of faulty PCR tests or Nigel Ferguson's computer simulation that projected over 2 million people were going to die. And that was wildly off. He just accepts at face value all these jigger death numbers. Hasn't he heard from like um, Scott Jensen of Minnesota, for example, that um, if about um, how coroners and um, doctors have to say that people died of COVID, not with COVID. And then it's a whole mask issue. It wasn't until his uh, guy, Philip Lamone, that came out that he said, I was very glad to reconsider my position once solid research came out. Well, didn't he get the memo about uh, Dennis Rancour, who showed at least 12 to 15 studies about masks before COVID even started, not to mention just having basic common sense. You don't even need studies to know these masks were ridiculous. I was just really disappointed in him. I'm glad he gets a bioweapon. I'm glad he's able to talk about these things at a more elevated level than what we get in the mainstream media. But um, he doesn't get the real issue. He, he didn't even integrate it that this PSYOP um, is basically a grander agenda. And so this myopia on just the COVID distraction and not mentioning the, the global coup d'etat that's actually taking place and no remorse that his, he, he used New York Times and Wall Street Journal, mainstream news, which he's always found in the past. And he's recognized years later when he had misplaced reliance, faulty on faulty mainstream media reports. So why is he not recognizing that now? I think Ron Unt should listen to the doctors for COVID ethics. They're very rigorous and excellent. And he's getting his information from wrong sources. And that's why I found his uh, his whole analysis just so um, oh, frustrating and um, myopic. Okay, well, we'll have to dis disagree or disagree to agree or maybe the reverse on most of that, because I think if you actually look closely at the uh, the quantitative debates, uh, how many people died, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the, these various other uh, specific issues, I think he's probably right about most of them. And as far as believing the New York Times, uh, you know, Ron has found, you know, a few dozen uh, huge issues that the New York Times and everybody else in the mainstream are lying about, a few dozen, but there have been a few million that they're not. So uh, that, that just because the mainstream lies doesn't mean everything that's in the mainstream media is a lie. And I think we should keep in mind the possibility that the COVID psyop might be the exact reverse of what most, most of us think it is. That is, it could be... Uh, Classic biological warfare, which always comes up with the antidote along with the poison and which makes sure that the people you care about get the antidote and the people you don't care about don't. So they've uh, manipulated the entire alternative world into not getting the antidote and to not taking the poison seriously. 
And so they're going to be maybe harming the uh, uh, the truther community quite a bit, and particularly if, I, I'm not sure this is true, but the British Medical Journal, or no, sorry, the other one, uh, Lancet, has a study showing that on the average, all everybody who's ever been a COVID case, including asymptomatic people, suffers on the average uh, a cognitive deficit, deficit that's equivalent to seven IQ points. So... Yeah, take, just keep in mind the possibility that we could be really, really wrong about this. I'll, I'll, I'll you pass. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all, it's all a, a big hoax. There's a virus, but the pandemic is a huge hoax and distraction for the real uh, global coup d'etat they're doing. Okay, well, that's a debate that probably should be fleshed out somewhere else. Uh, but moving on to. The anti-Semitic propaganda flooding the anti-vax movement, and this is why we're the we're refuting the ad hominem arguments. That's our title, our headline today. And uh, I think we can push the YouTube button now because no longer are we going to be saying anything about anything that YouTube could conceivably interpret as medical misinformation. So we're just going to feed you all kinds of other dangerous red pill perspectives that are non-mainstream about all sorts of other issues. Uh, so here we are. General Dominique Delawald is facing criminal charges for his exchange with Claude Pasternak, uh, in which he said, you know who controls the media, who controls the Washington Post, New York Times, and all those newspapers. Uh, who are these people? Key. Key. Who? Who let the dogs out? Who? Who? And I guess he <laughs> let, the dogs out, <laughs> let the dogs out of the pack or the cats out of the bag or whatever it is because... Uh, this is now a huge scandal, and supposedly the anti-Semites are running around with signs saying, key, key. It's like the new Q, except the Q is Q-U-I, which means who. So what do you think, Kat? Uh, is anti-Semitism infecting the anti-vax movement, which is already a, a major public health scourge, right? Well, when he asked Key, who are these people, not a single person in the world thought, well, maybe the general was referring to Lebanese or Cambodians or Incans. No, everyone knows exactly who he was referring to. It's a valid question because statistics show that Jews are disproportionately represented in the media by orders of magnitude above and beyond any other ethnic group, including non-Jewish whites. Statistics are not anti-Semitic. But if the French activists, according to Abe Foxman, <laughs> well, yeah, ADL. But if these French activists were going after regular Jewish doctors who are pro-vaccine, that would be unfair and irresponsible. But I think it's important to be aware that it appears that these activists, when they say key, they're going after elite Jews who support big pharma. Again, whether it's big media or big pharma, Jews are disproportionately represented by orders of magnitude um, beyond any other ethnic group. For example, the World Economic Forum, which is heavily pushing the VAX agenda, 20% of its board of trustees are Jewish. And I also have a, a final very important point to make is that we should always distinguish between elite Jews and their million, minions versus uh, the regular regular Jews, rank-and-file Jews. Elite Jews always want to muddy the water to get people, especially Jews, to believe that hostility against elite Jews is hostility against all Jews. That's almost never true, just as attacks on Israel are rarely attacks on all Jews. Rank-and-file Jews need to understand it is not in their interest to ally with the diabolical elite members of their tribe, that they have more in common with non-Jews at their level than elite Jews who live in a whole other world altogether. Point well taken, Kat. 
And, uh, and also keep in mind, if 20% of World Economic Forum people are Jewish, then 80% are not. So maybe their issue isn't really so much about ethnicity, is about that elite status. And if Jews happen to be disproportionately represented in those elites, then, you know, that that's relevant in various ways. But we shouldn't make this the only issue that we ever pursue about anything. It's really the these uh, evil elites who are the problem. Um, the fact that they're evil and elite is the problem, not whatever ethnicity they're from. But you and I, of course, do know the, the whole Lauren Guyano analysis of why uh, there may be these elite Jews overrepresented in these elite places. And that's a valid subject for inquiry, and it shouldn't be censored. So anyway, speaking of censoring, how about the New York Times saying 9-11 truth is anti-Semitic, YouTube must delete it. Uh, and so they give these anti-Semitism examples, uh, poisoning the wells, the Jew world order, and then 9-11 truth. So let's just put that all on the same level, and we need to erase it all. And the New York Times is very angry that of anti-Semitic posts, Facebook, or complaints from the ADL, <laughs> Facebook only erased 10% of the offending posts, uh, Twitter only 11%, whereas YouTube erased 21%, and TikTok 18.5%. So basically, they're saying everything the ADL doesn't like has to be immediately erased <laughs> by social media. New York Times is, yeah, okay, maybe you're right, Kat. Maybe we shouldn't take anything seriously. They say they're so insane. Well, this censorship industrial complex is over-exaggerated. They constantly over-exaggerate. I love that uh, documentary defamation because it shows how every niggling complaint that ADL receives, they chalk it up as a bona fide anti-Semitic slur. I love the one where uh, somebody reported that their college grade was anti-Semitic and ADL entered that unchallenged in their database. And ADL numbers always stay, uh, they, they don't remove them. So when they issue their dire warnings of anti-Semitism, it's full of junk data. But the other thing that uh, Greenblatt did is he threw in this ad hominem tech that big tech is just trying to make money off of this content, and that's why they're not keeping rigorous to clean it up. But well, for starters, the, you can't silence the entirety of humanity, especially based on subjective determinations. Let me sit in the driver's seat and say what's hateful or not. And also, he's, he's pot calling the kettle black. Hate is ADL's bread and butter, so they have to stoke it all the time. It's just a day's work for them. Indeed, and probably a lot of the craziest anti-Jew hatred is actually coming from allies of the ADL who are helping them make huge piles of money from it, Uh, and we've certainly seen examples like that. Michael Kadar, K-A-D-R, just Google that name. (laughs) Biggest wave of anti-Semitic terror uh, in modern American history comes from an Israeli-American Jewish kid run by Mordecai Kadar, his uncle, one of the nastiest racist, anti-Arab, fanatic Zionists in Shin Bet, the secret services over in Israel. That's who was attacking Jewish uh, cemeteries and Jewish community centers and threatening Jews in America. Michael Kadar and his uncle Mordecai. So, yeah, this is this is so annoying. Anyway, moving on to the Global Internet Forum to counter terrorism. Gift. I don't know how the heck you pronounce that acronym. Gift. I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, choke if I even say that. Anyway, uh, and, and you choke even more if you knew what they were up to. So what are they up to, Ken? Right. I think that's one reason they have such a terrible acronym, so no one will say it. You, there's hardly anything about them. Google the search, and you'll find virtually nothing, even their global summit that they just had. There's almost nothing. This organization was founded in 2017 by Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, and YouTube, and they now have 17 fellow members. And their mission is, quote, 
preventing terrorists and violent extremists from exploiting digital platforms. So they're all on the digital platforms to go after terrorists. And what they have, their, their big uh, tool is this database of terrorist content. So, for example, they have like 300,000 images and videos that are tagged as dangerous and uh, 24,000 URLs that are tagged as terrorists. Get this, the majority of them are coming from the site, S-I-T-E, intelligence firm. Well, we know who that is, Miss Rita Katz. So what they do is, for example, if Facebook censors something, Twitter can easily piggyback and censor it because it's vetted, so they don't have to figure it out or anything. Facebook censored it. We're in the same gift uh, database, so they censor it too. And that's why if a tweet or video gets censored, so often simultaneously across the board, all major social media players um, censor it as well. And when did this start? Well, they first used content, censored content based on the United Nations sanction list. So that would be um, ISIS or Hezbollah. But that changed after the Christchurch, New Zealand killing, um, that, that terrorist attack, terrorist attack in 2019. Um, many of you may remember that nobody was supposed to download the terrorist video, but everyone kept downloading it, of course, for the Streisand effect. Um, and so all those videos supposedly got taken down, but it was manual and cumbersome. So it was after Christchurch that this global Internet forum to counter terrorism figured out how to automate mass cross-platform takedowns using some kind of hashtag system. And their clients who use um, the GIFTS uh, uh, platform, they, they need something to help them moderate because uh, laws um, make their platforms responsible for removing illegal or unwanted uh, content. And uh, these laws are getting increasingly more um, strenuous. For example, the government now wants um, anti-vax censorship. So anything that is COVID misinformation, uh, this uh, hate organization looking for terrorism um, is, is going to put it in their database. And just like with the ADL and their numbers, once it's in their database, it never gets redacted, never gets taken out, just maybe added or changed, but it always stays. So there's no day in court once you're in their big database. And so one of the uh, big uh, victims of this insane crusade for internet censorship is Dr. Joseph Mercola. And Dr. Mercola announced this week that he is taking down all his content and from now on everything he posts only stays up 48 hours and then comes down. The uh, New York Times uh, had been leading the charge against him, uh, claiming that he had published more than 600 articles on Facebook that cast doubt on COVID-19 vaccines. So even just casting any doubt on these sacred objects is now heresy and you'll be burned digitally at the stake. Um, but you know, I'm not sure, Kat, why he is taking this particular strategy. Uh, he says he, he's removing the, this stuff to appease the individuals in power who have an arsenal of overwhelming tools at their disposal. What the heck does that mean? And why would he want to appease them? Well, we know one of the tools. I just uh, reported on him, one hardly anyone knows about. But um, it's well, why is he doing their work for them? 
Well, it's unfortunate that he ends up wiping out. Uh, it's like wiping out the entire contents of a small town's library. But it might well be because his partner, Erin Elizabeth, she's also one of the disinformation dozen. And she has been tracking for several years the mysterious deaths of over a 100 alternative health professionals. This It's still going on, these deaths, and many of them, are um, doctors who proactively spoke out about mental repression. So the crosshairs isn't just um, metaphorical. It's there is really um, people, many health professionals who are dying and his very partner has tracked it. Um, I appreciate what Whitney Webb said is that we absolutely have to be rigorous with our data because the government is ready at the drop of a hat to charge people with misinformation. So we're actually not far away from being jailed anymore for expressing opinions and factual information, just like Dr. McCullough does. So he doesn't want to be the, the tip of the iceberg where they push it to the next level, you know, don't just get deplatformed. You don't just get jailed. You might even get suicided over this. Okay. Well, that does explain a little bit more why he might want to appease them. Um, but it's still a terrible situation. And so there's a, there's a war on free speech here in the United States and the same people waging it are waging these wars, uh, hot wars, cold wars, covert wars elsewhere. And Iran is coming into their crosshairs. It looks like moving to the war on Iran category the uh, Americans and British uh, supposedly just greenlighted an Israeli uh, quote-unquote response to Iran over its alleged attack on the Mercer Street tanker uh, a week ago Thursday. And all this stuff is heating up. Plus, last night, Lebanon started heating up, too, as the Israelis and Hezbollah were exchanging fire in Israeli-occupied uh, Lebanese territory. So uh, that's, that's looking pretty ugly. And in, in the next slide, we'll go a little bit faster here to get uh, back on track. Uh, Bibi is attacking the current government in Israel, which he's not running, uh, claiming that it has promised to have a no surprises policy with the U.S. So if Iran's going to, or rather, if Israel's going to attack Iran, Israel will tell the U.S. and then it'll attack Iran. And Bibi doesn't like that. He thinks that Israel should just run around surprising everybody by uh, slaughtering people randomly. Um, so you think that the next big hotspot is going to be along that axis of resistance in the Middle East? Um, yes, I'm going to go back to the Iranian story because I think it's very important. Um, CENCOM, the U.S. military, said that they recovered remnants of the attack drone, and they haven't shown any proof whatsoever. But even more uh, chilling is um, Britain's foreign secretary um, has said that they are going to have a, quote, kill or capture manhunt mission. And they've sent in several dozen special forces to go around locating them in Iran, where Israeli intel says that the drone attackers are. And as we know, this is the third or fourth time that Israel claims Iran has been attacking ships and uh, Iran denies it every time. But not before have U.S. and Brits been so actively involved. And so I really believe that it is an uh, Israeli false flag. Um, make sure one of the um, Brits security guys got killed. So that brings in Britain. And on this flimsy evidence, they're able to ratchet up the hostile actions. We haven't heard any updates for several days. But what I suspect the real issue is, is Israel is orchestrating this false flag um, against Iran because the U.S. and Iran are resuming talks to reestablish this JCPOA nuclear treaty, which Ira Israel is loath to have. And they've been hysterically telling the U.S. Security Council that Iran is just 10 weeks away from a nuclear weapon. You know, they practically trotted out 
Beatty's cheesy bomb chart again. So what they're really trying to do, what I think these false flags are, is to vilify Iran, to underfy, undermine the JCPOA talks. If you just lift the carpet a bit, you'll see it's all so transparent. And it's working because it looks like JCPOA is now off the rails. Uh, so once again, the West uh, lets uh, Israel push them around and get what it wants. What else is new? Uh, well, moving to war on China news, Washington Post is uh, hyping this House Republican false flag blaming China for COVID. So uh, we're unifying the country, the, you know, the pro-Trump China haters and now all the obedient liberal sheeple, the leftists who should be the peaceniks. Everybody is agreeing to hate China. And as soon as Biden declares that, yeah, China did it, it's their fault. China did COVID. Hey, we can go to war. Uh, that's what it looks like to me anyway. I have no patience for looking to China for this. What people really should be looking at is David Martin, a leading international patent expert who reviewed over 4,000 patents of the SARS coronavirus and found that the first coronavirus vaccine was uh, a patent application was back 21 years ago in January 2000. His patent findings are the colossal smoking gun that the powers that be refuse to acknowledge. China's just a bit player in this uh, grand COVID theatrical psyop. Yep, I can't disagree with that. Uh, although, I, again, I think the, the whole COVID psyop is probably largely driven by geopolitics uh, and uh, an imperial crisis. That's a big subject. So let's move on to another big subject, which is violent extremism. Okay, what's going on here, Kay? You've been following this closely. The January 6th uh, fallout uh, now includes not only uh, what 100 plus people in, in prison uh, for, in many cases, just stepping into the Capitol when they thought it was okay, uh, others, maybe not so much. And then now we've got four Capitol cops suicided within six months after January 6th. This headline suggests that that may not be a, such a huge statistical anomaly. Uh, six times as many Capitol cops who were there suicided as average cops commit suicide. Wow, a lot of cops commit suicide, I guess. Anyway, how suspicious is this? Extremely suspicious. But first, I want to make a correction. It's over 400 Americans are languishing in jail right now with uh, wow. no due process. But yeah, this is highly suspicious, um, especially three of the deaths. Um, the statistical probability is bizarre. And so what well, we already know, Brian Sticknick, it wasn't a fire extinguisher or bear spray. It found out it was natural causes. But why did they have to cremate him even before an autopsy report? So that's suspicious. But Officer William Evans was killed just out of the blue when a man rammed into his car. But the biggest one was um, Jeffrey Smith. Officer Jeffrey Smith was found in his car, which had rolled down an embankment. And somehow he died before the car wreck from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Really? So mm -hmm. clearly something screwy. And I believe it's very connected to what they have found is the FBI's role in creating the entire January 6th uh, Capitol protest entrapment. F FBI over there, let's look here, too. Well, I wouldn't put it past the FBI. Ever since the time of J. Edgar Hoover, there have been some serious criminals in charge at the higher levels there, despite the many well-meaning and honest lower-level agents. Anyway, uh, that's uh, the mainstream media, of course, is not telling it the way you just did, Kat, and their version is on display here in The New Yorker. Pat the Patrick Byrne uh, is, is this uh, founder of Overstock.com, rich guy paying for much of the... Uh, the, the audit, the election audit in Arizona, and they're having these events 
where they have baby Q speak. Uh, they, the film director who blamed 9-11 on space aliens, which strikes me as beneficial cognitive diversity, is there. Um, and so what do you think of this audit cat? John Jonathan Simon was on my show recently saying that this is a textbook case on how not to do an election audit. It's so extremely uh, partisan and non-transparent. And the mainstream media is telling us that and more. Is the mainstream media partly right about this or or not? No, and Jane Meyer's propaganda piece is just riddled with inaccuracies and bias. She takes at face value election officials saying the 2020 elections were, quote, the most secure in American history. That's as hilarious as Pfizer. That is is pretty pathetic, isn't it? Right. Well, it's as hilarious. Of course, most of the other elections weren't very good either, so. This is unprecedented above and beyond. Um, This statement makes Pfizer declaring their, it's, it's as hilarious as Pfizer declaring their COVID vaccines as 95 percent effective it's just and her article makes it sound like it's just republicans who have the monopoly on dark money dark money is um essentially legalized um um, anonymous sources from the supreme court um are people aware that maybe in the past republican dark money outspent democrats by three to one but since 2018 and definitely for 2020 the dark money groups of liberals outspent the conservatives um, by a, a completely inordinate number. And Meyer ignores that. Her interpretation of Trump's phone call to Georgia about the 11,000 votes, those 11,000 votes were fraudulent. And it's clear there's forensic evidence of mysterious vote dumps in the middle of the night that gave statistically impossible numbers. Meyer made it sound like Trump was trying to negotiate for 11,000 legitimate votes. So it's the fraudulent ones, which there are tons of. Um, it's her whole thing about mail-in ballots. They're a disaster. We should do what we make other countries do. We insist other countries allow foreign observers. And that's what we need here in this country as well. The, the mail-in ballots have been a disaster that have mostly favored the Republicans. So the, her whole article, I could go paragraph by paragraph and show where she is wrong, but we never get to hear that. Okay. And of course, the other side of this election integrity issue is that it's really the Democrats and the left, especially the the Bernie Sanders supporters, who should be screaming loudest about this, because the vast majority of apparent election theft is happening on that side with the redshift. And again, I had Jonathan Simon on the show talking about how in the most recent elections in, in 2020, it looks like Republicans stole many, many, many millions of votes throughout all the congressional races, all the key races. And Trump probably did uh, also steal at least three million votes, uh, but it wasn't enough to win. And the people who stole the votes probably didn't want him to win. Uh, and yes, that the evidence for that is much stronger than the evidence for what you're saying. But we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that too. Trump, Trump won by a landslide. If we can get oh, true forensic nonsense. evidence, nonsense. Uh, no, it wasn't a landslide either way. Yes, uh, it was. No true way. Forensic, true forensic evidence would show. No, it. All, all of the po- the polling data, which is that these people have to be extremely accurate to keep their jobs, showed that Trump was going to lose by six or seven for something like that. He, it was a landslide, closer to a landslide the other way than a landslide for Trump. Uh, no way. If it, if we had it in courts, which they're not, they're not adjudicating on the merits of the case. It's all just um, on procedural stuff. They're throwing it out. The truth will come out. Jonathan right. Simon is a fraud. His 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 past stuff pre um, 2016. Yes, redshift, all of that. But since then, his Trump derangement syndrome has fogged his ability but did you to look see at the actual charts, evidence. Yeah. You look at the charts, like one voting machine company uh, was responsible for uh, the top four or five 
10-point freaking redshifts, a 10-point redshift. There shouldn't be a 0.1% shift anywhere, and there never were until the Republicans bought most of the voting machine companies. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, we got to move on. I'm totally in a disagreement. Second Amendment not intended for black people, according to Slate.com. That sounds pretty racist. Well, it's actually exposing racism. Carol Anderson says that the Philando Castile case where this black guy was shot uh, basically for having an NRA permit and mentioning it to the police officer. So it shows that there's this systematic history of racism. Sure, there is. However, I'm not sure that it's nearly as bad today overall as it was 100 years ago. And that's mostly what she's talking about. Well, what I wish um, when it comes to guns, if um, they would just get real and talk about how black use of guns far outweigh their proportion to the population. Blacks are about 13 percent of the population. But FBI FBI murder statistics show that they commit 56 percent of the murders in the U.S. in 2019. Most of the victims are fellow blacks, but liberals refuse to talk about black on black crime. Okay, that's a valid point. Moving on to the dim doom stories. Cuomo doesn't want to quit, but he harassed, he harassed 11 women. 11. Is that an Illuminati number? I don't know. Anyway, it looks like Cuomo might be on the way out. And it's funny that they're, they're lynching him for, uh, for being a, a boor and a creep, but not for murdering, uh, thousands of people by sending COVID patients into nursing homes. Um, what's up with that? Um, well, there's rumors that he was supposed to uh, drop out today. Who knows? But I actually kind of feel sorry for Cuomo in a way. He's been duped. He has such an ego that they were able to stoke and he didn't recognize it. So they let him be the they showered him with attention, pumped up his pumped up his hero status. Um, they gave him an Emmy and a book deal. And he was one of the star actors in this PSYOP. And now that they're ready to move on to phase two of the PSYOP and don't really need the whole COVID thing, Cuomo's not wanted. So he didn't get that this was just a role for him. The powers that be knew from the beginning this is a fake pandemic. And they let him make a fool of himself over ventilators. So I feel sorry for him that now he's going to be shunned aside. He thought he was going to be a big hero and he didn't know the, the Uber game that's being played. And then for Biden to say Cuomo should step down for sexual harassment, uh, Mr. Sniffer himself. Uh, yeah, he, he should know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, how about Kamala Harris, uh, going underwater with uh, her popularity? She's the least popular vice president since Spiro T. Agnew. Wow. That's saying something. Well, I thought right at the beginning that they were immediately going to get rid of Biden because he's obviously demented and put her in as figurehead in chief. And so my big question was, who's going to be her Dick Cheney? But now it's looking like her days are numbered. She was set up with radioactive portfolios like the border. And so I think the scenario that's coming is that they switch her out, get rid of her. And then they put in a new world order type like Rahm Emanuel or Chuck Schumer. And then Biden gets pushed away because he's demented. And then, look, a new unelected fascist president, all legal to a T. Indeed, that could be the plan. We're trying to stay one step ahead of them. Uh, but it, maybe it won't be uh, Commissar Kamala. Uh, well, uh, who's behind all this? Big money, of course. Uh, and some of the big money people are the, the real estate tycoons, uh, you know, tr- Trump's backer, Larry Silverstein, those kind of people. Uh, the real estate tycoons are buying up politicians and they're focusing on Democrats and the Democrats are taking their money and then allowing the eviction moratorium to expire, which means 4.2 million people across the U.S. say they're about to face eviction. 
Um, good thing the Democrats are standing up for the ordinary people. Yeah, right. Um, I'm, I'm sympathetic, sympathetic to the tenants, but many landlords are small businesses and mom and pops, and they're just as susceptible to going into default, and they have nobody, no, no moratorium. They still have to pay their mortgages. So I think this, um, eviction moratorium agenda is just another backdoor way to break the back of the little guy and let venture capitalists like BlackRock buy, buy up the small landlord's properties for penny on the dollar. Um, but there's another really important issue going on here, and that is the CDC has no constitutional rights to create any kind of eviction moratorium or try to do um, any kind of law around that. That CDC is part of the executive branch, but it's the legislative branch, and they sort of bamboozled the Supreme Court when it came before them by saying, oh, yeah, we won't issue another moratorium when it expires July 31st. And then they turned around October 3rd, um, extended it to October 3rd. But the the Supreme Court was going to make a legal adjudication that um, the CDC was trying to usurp powers beyond its constitutional domain. And with that little uh, change um, based on Democrats finally stepping up because they were shamed by uh the sleeping on the steps homeless uh, act of uh, Cory Bush, um, we we basically lost an opportunity to adjudicate the importance that the um, uh, the executive branch it cannot overreach its powers. And the reason that's so important is because as we're moving into a fascist state, it's highly dependent on a powerful executive branch. Excellent point. Well, so speaking of uh, real estate and housing crises, the good news is the San Francisco Bay Area has decided that it needs some residents other than just billionaires and homeless people. So they're building tiny houses. The bad news is that the tiny houses will sell for $10 million each, which is a great deal for the Bay Area. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on. We're a little behind here. The uh, Zionist news, the Israel won't let their gold medalist Dolgopia marry because he's not Jewish enough. He has a Jewish father, not a Jewish mother. Uh, what's the matter with this guy? A big, tough athlete can't handle a tiny little circumcision? Oh, man. But and what's this Jewish mother stuff, Kat? Uh, I mean, you know, Eve, look, Eve was Jewish, right? So her daughters, she must have had at least one daughter. Their da her daughters were Jewish, and their daughters were Jewish. And so everybody who has any female ancestors has to be Jewish. Hey, I think we just solved the problem. Well, I don't know. I, th I think the biggest problem is uh, Israel going around saying that they're the biggest democracy uh, in the Middle East when thousands of citizens can't even exercise the basic human rights of marriage. There, there I is think, that point, yes. <laughs> well, I think this Olympic champ, what he should do with that a gold medal is melt it down into two golden wedding rings and go to the Knesset and say, Oy vey, now what do I do with these? Can you help me? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, well, uh, the more uh, more Israel news here. Bela this is belaboring the obvious news. Okay, the Pope's Catholic, bears defecate in the woods, and Congress is throwing billions of dollars at Israel. So Israel can throw millions and billions of dollars in bribes back at Congress. Rinse and repeat. I guess that story was predictable, so maybe we should just move on <laughs> to uh, the Israel lobby helping Chantel Brown defeat Nina Turner, who is a centrist versus a progressive. And, of course, the centrist is totally owned by the Israel lobby. The progressive is just cowed and intimidated by the Israel lobby. So either way, they are representing Israel in our Congress, not us. 
Well, yeah, that's the exact story here is that um, super PAC Israeli money was throwing its weight around to make sure a pro-Palestinian candidate like Nina Turner didn't get elected. And they played real dirty. They said that um, she doesn't support progressive causes. They sent flyers around. That's her very platform. And then they promoted Brown, who is a tarnished candidate. She's before the state ethics commission right now. And uh, Brown was uh, on a junket in 2018 to Israel. So they'll they'll take anybody just to promote the opposite. This was not about local Ohio issues. This was about making sure that a pro-Palestinian candidate did not win. But if Nina Turner, instead of being quiet, if she had promoted her Jewish um, um, allies as much, because um, late in May, when Israel was bombing Palestine yet again, rank-and-file Democrats blamed Israel by 32 to 8. And Democrats under 34 years of old, that ratio goes up to 45 to 6. So the lesson learned is we have to get big money out of politics. And don't be silent on where you stand on Israel if you're progressive, because Democratic rank and file have your back. So Israel's bought up our Congress and the, the oligarchs have, have trashed our republic and they've thrown away seven or eight trillion dollars on wars for Israel post 9-11 and our economy's wrecked, and people can't even afford the tiny houses in the Bay Area, what are we going to do? Well, we could make a dollar an hour uh, living on the streets or in a shack in the Philippines, uh, labeling items in self-driving car images. Uh, In three or four days, if you work really, really hard at this, uh, extremely repetitive, grinding Internet work, you could make 20 or $30. Is this where we're all going to be pretty soon, Kat? Well, it sounds like this whole new industry called microtasking is the greatest thing. They have physical factories. You can do it online at home and even on cell phones. And what they're doing is this digital piecework that trains AI machines to learn algorithms. Um, eventually, yeah, who needs humans? Teach a robot to fish and it can fish for a lifetime. Oh, man. Well, another way to pick up a few spare bucks if you're desperate, and we are desperate here at False Flag Weekly News because we're still behind on our fundraiser, so I might have to go and sell my palm to Amazon. They're going to take a knife and cut it. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to they're just sell the, I'm going to sell the print to Amazon if you don't send money to False Flag Weekly News right now, folks. Uh, Kat, uh, you're a palm. You, you know the science of palmistry. What do you think of Amazon buying everybody's palm? For 10 bucks. <laughs> I'm highly concerned about it because we know invasion of privacy from genetic data gathering and facial recognition. And now this new one. Yes, I'm a master palm reader and um, palmistry is an ancient science. So hear me out. Okay, I have am a I, good am I going to make my false flag weekly news uh, credit uh, or, or uh, limit here? Are we going to make our, our quota um, this week? What do you mean our quota? I, I, I Sorry, well, I don't We follow. have to make $200 a week for oh. to keep doing the show. <laughs> And and if you read the whorls and loops on my palm, you can tell me whether we're going to make it. Or oh, I see what you're saying. Well, I don't different. know about that, but I, I do have a good point to make here. So just hear me out. I've read in neuroscience literature that the hand and the brain are very closely connected. They call it the homunculus, the little man with the big hand. And now every thought we have is an electric vibration. So when synapses connect, electric energy is generated. So where does all that electric energy go? Your head would blow up if it stayed there. Remember, the hand and the brains are connected. So the energy from synaptic activity travels out the brain and into the hands. So when I'm reading hands, 
I'm not actually reading the hands. I'm reading people's thoughts and emotional feelings that come from the brain. The hands are just the data printout of those energetic thoughts and emotions. It's like a roadmap to the soul. So, well, I'd rather well, trust wait. my thumb to you than to Amazon. Well, but yeah, but so if these data points in the hands are being scanned by the biometric scanners, that gives um, them the possibility of reading people's thoughts and feelings, not just logistically, is this the person, but what are they thinking and feeling? Because that's how I do the readings. Um, it would be very easy to data mine people's personal thoughts and emotions. Now, my final point is, Amazon has many sweetheart deals with the CIA. The CIA has a vast history of mind control experiments. I can easily envision them getting cheap labor from one of those micro-scanning factories we just talked about to program AI bots to machine learn ancient palmistry wisdom and thus have a backdoor into people's thoughts, feelings, and soul. Well, just think how they're good they're going to get at targeting ads for us if they do that. <laughs> uh, I, oh, God. I don't want to think about it. Okay. Uh, more uh, horrendous ways to earn money. If you're really, really desperate, you could sell math grades. It's as easy as A, B, C, one, two, three. That's how easy selling grades can be. You know what, Kat? I should have stayed in the academy. That's where the money is. <laughs> Uh, well, they're trying to blame um, people's personal weaknesses, like saying it was his gambling addiction that made him do it. Oh, that's true, but it's also true that our leaders today role model corrupt behavior. I'm surprised more people have not taken up a life of grifting just in um, by by role modeling of the the leaders. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's that's really the problem. And you know, on the off chance, let's just say that. Maybe, you know, some of the medical COVID stuff is more along what Ron Unz thinks than the, the establishment thinks. Why would we, not, none of us can believe that because our leadership is so totally corrupt. If, if their lips are moving, they're lying. Uh, and maybe they're creating a huge public health crisis because of that. You know, maybe we should have cleaned all this stuff up a long time ago and gotten better leadership so we could trust some of what the establishment says some of the time, and then we wouldn't have some of these problems we're facing now, such as math teachers selling uh, A's for 300, B's for 200, and C's for a mere $100. Um, and if that's not your your preferred mode of making a living in these tough times, how about... Uh, selling your family home to a Wall Street investor. Uh, we did we did just talk about real estate, but we're back with real estate again here. Uh, it sounds like uh, more and more younger Americans and Brits are renting rather than buying as they start families because their next landlord is going to be a Wall Street or London Financial District investor. So you will own nothing and be happy. While those poor schmucks on Wall Street in the city of London who own everything will be utterly miserable. Hmm, yeah, right. Well, I think this article would have been far more powerful had it outed the real big villain, villains in this market, and that's Blackstone and BlackRock. The subtitle in this story is, quote, how the pandemic changed the housing market. Wrong. It should say how super predators changed the housing market because um, the pandemic has nothing to do with the housing market. It, all the pandemic uh, fallout is man-made pre-planned decisions um, that factored this in, I'm sure, and leave it to CNN to focus only on the upside to big business. Can we have some media advocacy for the consumer? Yeah, that, that would be nice. Uh, so it's an imperfect story, but pointing out that these uh, big finance people, the, the big money folks who who made uh, maybe double-digit trillions off of this pandemic, 
are, are buying up all the real estate so nobody will be able to own their own house anymore. I mean, this, even just admitting that is a step forward, I guess. Right. Um, even though they left out the top two who are really doing it far more in an order yeah. of magnitude than these people that are pictured here. I guess that's a BlackRock is, is, uh, you must not be named or Larry Fink uh, is, is the new he who must not be named. Well, we all know who we can name when it comes to evil, uh, <laughs> evil demonized individuals. And that would be, uh, Adolf Hitler. Um, so how about this? Uh, demonizing Hitler continues to the point that this hundred year old former Nazi concentration camp guard is going to be tried. Now get this cat. He's charged with 3,518 counts of murder. But they won't name him due to German privacy laws that protect his privacy. Well, you got to love those Germans. <laughs> right. Well, I wonder what these Nazi hunters are going to do when there are no more World War II Germans to go after. In a variation of reparations, will Nazi hunters go after German children and grandchildren descendants? Uh, oh, I forgot. They already are existentially doing that. It's called woke. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe they'll even be able to, to trace uh, the descendants of Nazis and Nazi sympathizers through their palms by uh, Amazon <laughs> <laughs> and its big data. Uh, so this guy was accused of taking part in, in firing squads of Soviet prisoners, killing Soviet prisoners in 1942, and the murder of prisoners using the poisonous gas Zyklon B. Okay, well... Um, we won't get into what his defense might be and what might happen to his defense lawyer if if they use the wrong approach by, like, believing him. Uh, and let's move on to our final story of the week, which is heal Hitler. Uh, you know, <laughs> somebody's going to take that out of context and put that snippet on the vi on the web and, and try to smear me. Anyway, uh, the heal Hitler video game simulates therapy for Adolf Hitler. The point of view is you are Hitler's psychologist in 1925. Diagnose his complexes using Jungian and Freudian psychotherapy and attempt to heal him. Resolve his trauma and present, prevent catastrophe. Uh, sounds like a nice idea to me in a certain warped way, but apparently the uh, Zionist power configuration worldwide is in a tizzy over this. Uh, how offensive is this guy? Those people will whine at anything that strays just a, 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 an inch from the official story that they guard with military precision. I believe this is a really unique educational tool. Granted, I haven't seen it, but um, he used psychology and um, in, in, um, interviewed people. And I think it can really help the public understand World War II history better. So I disagree that the inventor has trivialized this subject. The problem is game is a misnomer. By calling this innovative educational tool a video game, it's the critics who trivialize the subject, not the inventor. Okay, well, uh, if you play this game, just remember that if you try to use David Herving's book, Hitler's War, as a crib sheet, uh, you will be whisked away uh, to a German prison. Um and hopefully that won't happen to us just for even talking about this cat. And hopefully we'll be back for future episodes of False Flag Weekly News, assuming that you, the False Flag Weekly News viewers, who are kept sane by getting to watch this show every Saturday, uh, keep coughing up uh, pittance to, to keep us going so we don't have to um, sell our palms to Amazon or teach self-driving cars how to recognize common objects. Well, thank you, Cat. It's been fun as always. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. See you all next week, God willing.